0: This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Captain Blood by Raphael Sabatini. Section fourteen. The Vestures Heroics It would be somewhere about ten o'clock on the following morning. A full hour before the time appointed for sailing, when a canoe brought up alongside La Foudre, and a half-caste Indian stepped out of her and went up the ladder. He was clad in drawers of hairy, untanned hide, and a red blanket served him for a cloak. He was the bearer of a folded scrap of paper for Captain Le The captain unfolded the letter, sadly soiled and crumpled by contact with the half-caste Its contents may be roughly translated thus. My well-beloved, I am in the Dutch brig Jean Vreau, which is about to sail. Resolved to separate us forever, ever, my cruel father is sending me to Europe in my brother's charge. I implore you, come to my rescue. Deliver me, my well-beloved hero, your desolated Madeleine, who loves you. The well-beloved hero was moved to the soul of him by that passionate appeal his scowling glance swept the bay for the Dutch brig, which he knew had been due to sail for Amsterdam with a cargo of hides and tobacco. She was nowhere to be seen among the shipping in that narrow rock-bound harbour. He roared at the question in his mind. In answer, the half caste pointed out beyond the frothing surf that marked the position of the reef constituting one of the stronghold's main defences. Away beyond it, a mile or so distant, a sail was standing out to sea, there she go, he said. There! The Frenchman gazed and stared, his face growing white. The man's wicked temper awoke, and turned to vent itself upon the messenger. And where have you been that you come here only now with this? Answer me! The half caste shrank, terrified before his fury. His explanation, if he had one, was paralyzed by fear. Levasseur took him by the throat, shook him twice, snarling the while, then hurled him into the scuppers. The man's head struck the gunwale as he fell, and he lay there, quite still, a trickle of blood issuing from his mouth. Levasseur dashed one hand against the other as if dusting them. "'Heave that muck overboard,' he ordered some of those who stood idling in the waist. "'Then up anchor, and let us after the Dutchman.' "'Steady, Captain. What's that?' There was a restraining hand upon his shoulder, and the broad face of his lieutenant, Cahusek, a burly, callous Breton scoundrel, was stolidly confronting him. Le made clear his purpose with a deal of unnecessary obscenity. Cahusac shook his head. A Dutch brig, said he? Impossible! We should never be allowed. And who the devil will deny us? Le was between amazement and fury. For one thing, there's your own crew, will be none too willing. For another, there's Captain Blood. I care nothing for Captain Blood. But it is necessary that you should. He has the power— the weight of metal and of men and if i know him at all he'll sink us before he'll suffer interference with the dutch he has his own views of privateering this captain blood as i warned you ah said lavashir showing his teeth but his eyes riveted upon that distant sail were gloomily thoughtful not for long the imagination and resource which captain blood had detected in the fellow soon suggested a course cursing in his soul and even before the anchor was weighed the association in which he had entered he was already studying ways of evasion what cahusac implied was true blood would never suffer violence to be done in his presence to a dutchman but it might be done in his absence and being done blood must perforce condone it since it would then be too late to protest within the hour the arabella and la foudre were beating out to sea together without understanding the change of plan involved Captain Blood nevertheless accepted it, and weighed anchor before the appointed time, upon perceiving his associate to do so. All day the Dutch brig was in sight, though by evening she had dwindled to the merest speck on the northern horizon. The course prescribed for Blood and La lay eastward along the northern shores of Hispaniola. To that course the Arabella continued to hold steadily throughout the night. When day broke again she was alone. Lafoudre, under cover of the darkness had struck away to the northeast with every rag of canvas on her yards. Cahusac had attempted yet again to protest against this. The devil take you, loveveseur had answered him. "'A ship's a ship, be she Dutch or Spanish, and ships are our present need. That will suffice for the men. His lieutenant said no more, but from his glimpse of the letter, knowing that a girl and not a ship was his captain's real objective. He gloomily shook his head as he rolled away on his bowed legs to give the necessary orders. Don found La Foudre close on the Dutchman's heels, not a mile astern, and the sight of her very evidently flustered the young vro. No doubt, Mademoiselle's brother recognizing Levasseur's ship would be responsible for the Dutch uneasiness. They saw the young vro crowding canvas in a futile endeavor to outsail them. Whereupon they stood off to starboard and raced on until they were in a position whence they could send a warning shot across her bow. The young vrouw veered, showed them her rudder, and opened fire with her stern chasers. The small shot went whistling through Lafoude's shrouds, with some slight damage to her canvas. Followed a brief running fight in the course of which the Dutchman let fly a broadside. Five minutes after that they were bored and bored. The young vrouw held tight in the clutches of Lafoud's grapnels, and the buccaneers pouring noisily into her waist the dutchman's master purple in the face stood forward to beard the pirate followed closely by an elegant pale-faced young gentleman in whom Levasseur recognized his brother-in-law elect captain Levasseur, this is an outrage for which you shall be made to answer what do you seek aboard my ship at first i sought only that which belongs to me something of which i am being robbed but since you chose war and opened fire on me with some damage to my ship and loss of life to five of my men "'Why, war it is, and your ship a prize of war.' From the quarter-rail, Mademoiselle Dojeron looked down with glowing eyes in breathless wonder upon her well-beloved hero. Gloriously heroic he seemed as he stood towering there, masterful, audacious, beautiful. He saw her, and with a glad shout sprang towards her. The Dutch master got in his way with hands upheld to arrest his progress. Le Vassieu did not stay to argue with him he was too impatient to reach his mistress he swung the pole-axe that he carried and the dutchman went down in blood with a cloven skull the eager lover stepped across the body and came on his countenance joyously alight but mademoiselle was shrinking now in horror she was a girl upon the threshold of glorious womanhood of a fine height and nobly moulded with heavy coils of glossy black hair above and about a face that was the colour of old ivory her countenance was cast in lines of arrogance stressed by the low lids of her full dark eyes in a bound her well-beloved was beside her flinging away his bloody pole-axe he opened wide his arms to enfold her but she still shrank even within his embrace which would not be denied a look of dread had come to temper the normal arrogance of her almost perfect face mine mine at last and in spite of it all he cried exultantly theatrically truly heroic but she endeavouring to thrust him back her hands against his breast, could only falter, "'Why, why did you kill him?' He laughed, as a hero should, and answered her heroically, with the tolerance of a god for the mortal to whom he condescends. "'He stood between us. Let his deaths be a symbol, a warning. Let all who would stand between us mark it and beware.' It was so splendidly terrific, the gesture of it was so broad and fine, and his magnetism so compelling that she cast her silly tremors and yielded herself freely intoxicated to his fond embrace thereafter he swung her to his shoulder and stepping with ease beneath that burden bore her in a sort of triumph lustily cheered by his men to the deck of his own ship her inconsiderate brother might have ruined that romantic scene but for the watchful Cahusac, who quietly tripped him up then trussed him like a fowl Thereafter, what time the captain languished in his lady's smile within the cabin, Cahusac was dealing with the spoils of war. The Dutch crew was ordered into the longboat and bidden go to the devil. Fortunately, as they numbered fewer than thirty, the longboat, though perilously overcrowded, could yet contain them. Next, Cahusac, having inspected the cargo, put a quartermaster and a score of men aboard the fro and left her to follow La Foudre, which he now headed south for the Leeward Islands. Tohuzak was disposed to be ill-humoured. The risk they had run in taking the Dutch brig and doing violence to members of the family of the governor of Tortuga was out of all proportion to the value of their prize. He said so sullenly to Levassieux. "'You'll keep that opinion to yourself,' the captain answered him. "'Don't think I am the man to thrust my neck into a noose without knowing how I am going to take it out again. I shall send an offer of terms to the governor of Tortuga that he will be forced to accept.' Set a course for the Virgin Magre. We'll go ashore and settle things from there. And tell them to fetch that milksop, Augeron, to the cabin. Levaucheur went back to the adoring lady. Thither, too, the lady's brother was presently conducted. The captain rose to receive him, bending his stalwart height to avoid striking the cabin roof with his head. Mademoiselle rose, too. Why this? she asked Levaucheur, pointing to her brother's pinioned wrists, the remains of Cahusac's precautions i deplore it said he i desire it to end let m d'argeron give me his parole i give you nothing flashed the white-faced youth who did not lack for spirit you see Devoisier shrugged his deep regret and mademoiselle turned protesting to her brother henri this is foolish you are not behaving as my friend you little fool her brother answered her and the little was out of place she was the taller of the twain little fool do you think i should be acting as your friend to make terms with this blackguard pirate steady my young cockerel le laughed but his laugh was not nice don't you perceive your wicked folly in the harm it has brought already lives have been lost men have died that this monster might overtake you and don't you yet realize where you stand in the power of this beast of this cur born in a kennel and bred in thieving and murder he might have said more but that le struck him across the mouth the you see, cared as little as another to hear the truth about himself. Mademoiselle suppressed a scream, as the youth staggered back under the blow. He came to rest against a bulkhead, and leaned there with bleeding lips. But his spirit was unquenched, and there was a ghastly smile on his white face as his eyes sought his sister's. You see, he said simply, he strikes a man whose hands are bound. The simple words, and more than the words— Their tone, of ineffable disdain, aroused the passion that never slumbered deeply in Levasseur. "'And what should you do, puppy, if your hands were unbound?' He took his prisoner by the breast of his doublet and shook him. "'Answer me! What should you do? Tch! You empty wing-bag! You!' And then came a torrent of words unknown to Mademoiselle, yet of whose foulness her intuitions made her conscious. With blanched cheeks she stood by the cabin table, and cried out to Le to stop. To obey her, he opened the door and flung her brother through it. "'Put that rubbish under hatches until I call for it again,' he roared, and shut the door. Composing himself, he turned to the girl again, with a deprecatory smile, but no smile answered him from her set face. She had seen her beloved hero's nature in curl-papers, as it were, and she found the spectacle disgusting and terrifying. It recalled the brutal slaughter of the Dutch captain, and suddenly she realized that what her brother had just said of this man was no more than true. Fear growing to panic was written on her face as she stood there leaning for support against the table. Why, sweetheart, what is this? Levasseur moved towards her. She recoiled before him. There was a smile on his face, a glitter in his eyes that fetched her heart into her throat. He caught her as she reached the uttermost limits of the cabin, seized her in his long arms, and pulled her to him. No, no, she panted. Yes, yes, he mocked her, and his mockery was the most terrible thing of all. He crushed her to him brutally, deliberately hurtful because she resisted, and kissed her while she writhed in his embrace. Then, his passion mounting, he grew angry and stripped off the last rag of hero's masks that still may have hung upon his face. Little fool! Did you not hear your brother say that you are in my power? Remember it, and remember that of your own free will you came. I am not the man with whom a woman can play fast and loose. So get sense, my girl, and accept what you have invited. He kissed her again, almost contemptuously, and flung her off. No more scowls, he said. You'll be sorry else. Someone knocked. Cursing the interruption, Levasseur strode off to open. Cahusac stood before him. The Breton's face was grave he came to report that they had sprung a leak between wind and water, the consequence of damage sustained from one of the Dutchman's shots. In alarm, Levasseur went off with him. The leakage was not serious so long as the weather kept fine, but should a storm overtake them it might speedily become so. A man was slung overboard to make a partial stoppage with a sailcloth, and the pumps were got to work. Ahead of them a low cloud showed on the horizon, which Cahusac pronounced one of the northernmost of the Virgin Islands. We must run for shelter there and careen her," said Levasseur. "I do not trust this oppressive heat. A storm may catch us before we make land. A storm or something else," said Cahusac grimly. "Have you noticed that?" He pointed away to starboard. Lavoisier looked and caught his breath. Two ships that, at the distance, seemed of considerable burden, were heading towards them, some five miles away. If they follow us, what is to happen?" demanded Cahusac. "We'll fight whether we're in case to do so or not," swore Lavoisier. Counsels of despair Ghusek was contemptuous. To market he spat upon the deck. This comes of going to sea with a lovesick madman. Now keep your temper, captain, for the hands will be at the end of theirs if we have trouble as a result of this Dutchman business. For the remainder of that day, Levasseur's thoughts were of anything but love. He remained on deck, his eyes now upon the land, now upon those two slowly gaining ships. To run for the open could avail him nothing, and in his leaky condition would provide an additional danger. He must stand at bay and fight. And then, towards evening, when within three miles of shore, and when he was about to give the order to strip for battle, he almost fainted from relief to hear a voice from the crow's nest above announce that the larger of the two ships was the Arabella, her companion was presumably a prize. But the pessimism of Cahusac abated nothing. "'This is but the lesser evil,' he growled. "'What will blood say about this Dutchman?' "'Let him say what he pleases,' Le laughed in the immensity of his relief. "'And what about the children of the governor of Tortuga?' "'He must not know. He'll come to know in the end.' Ay, but by then, Morbleu, the matter will be settled. I shall have made my peace with the governor. I tell you, I know the way to compel Orgeron to come to terms.' Presently the four vessels lay to off the northern coast of La Vergen Margre, a narrow little island, arid and treeless, some twelve miles by three, uninhabited save by birds and turtles, and unproductive of anything but salt, of which there were considerable ponds to the south. Le Vassure put off in a boat, accompanied by Cahusac and two other officers, and went to visit Captain Blood aboard the Arabella. "'Our brief separation has been mighty profitable,' was Captain Blood's greeting." It's a busy morning we've both had. He was in high good humor as he led the way to the great cabin for a rendering of accounts. The tall ship that accompanied the Arabella was a Spanish vessel of twenty-six guns, the Santiago from Puerto Rico, with a hundred and twenty thousand weight of cacao, forty thousand pieces of eight, and the value of ten thousand more in jewels, a rich capture of which two fifths under the articles went to Levasseur and his crew. Of the money and jewels a division was made on the spot. The cacao, it was agreed, should be taken to Tortuga to be sold. Then it was the turn of Levasseur, and Black grew the brow of Captain Blood as the Frenchman's tale was unfolded. At the end he roundly expressed his disapproval. The Dutch were a friendly people whom it was a folly to alienate, particularly for so paltry a matter as these hides and tobacco, which at most would fetch a bare twenty thousand pieces. But Levasseur answered him, as he had answered Cahusac, that a ship was a ship, and it was ships they needed against their projected enterprise. Perhaps because things had gone well with him that day, Blood ended by shrugging the matter aside. Thereupon Levasseur proposed that the Arabella and her prize should return to Tortuga there to unload the cacao and enlist the further adventurers that could now be shipped. Levasseur, meanwhile, would effect certain necessary repairs and then proceeding south, await his admiral at Saltatudos, an island conveniently situated in the latitude of eleven degrees, eleven minutes north, for their enterprise against Maracaibo. To Le Vassure's relief, Captain Blood not only agreed, but pronounced himself ready to set sail at once. No sooner had the Arabella departed than Le Vassure brought his ships into the lagoon, and set his crew to work upon the erection of temporary quarters ashore, for himself, his men, and his enforced guests, during the careening and repairing of La Foudre. At sunset that evening the wind freshened, it grew to a gale, and from that to such a hurricane, that Le Vassure was thankful to find himself ashore, and his ships in safe shelter. He wondered a little how it might be faring with Captain Blood, out there at the mercy of that terrific storm, but he did not permit concern to trouble him unduly. End of section 14.